and welcome back to the Olivia C podcast with your host Bianca Franco. Today I have Toby Reitmeyer here with me today. We will be talking about our favorite things to bring on a dive trip, whether it's international, Mexico, like pleasant, our favorite things, not including like fins or wetsuit, all the basic scuba stuff. We want to go a step outside of the box and bring our favorite things. But before we jump into like what we want to bring, we should probably get to know you a little better. You're a scuba instructor, freediving instructor, an underwater photographer. But where did your passion for the ocean start for you? Were you a kid? Were you um, surrounded by the ocean growing up? I think, um, thinking back, I think I realized when I was a very little kid, five years, um, my, my parents moved us to Dominican Republic and we live a year there and on the weekends we would always go to the coral reef and that was in the early 80s <clears throat> and uh, the Caribbean reefs were uh, relatively to today pretty healthy and I was just like a kid in a candy store oh my god and and I had such good memories it was such a good time <clears throat> in the in the reef grabbing stuff catching sea hairs i remember catching a sea hair and i had the, the the ink some of them ink actually and had the ink on my hand and my dad was like getting really upset like oh my god what is this <clears throat> i had sea urchins in my body sea oh my urchin god. spines like that was like a standard always something i had fire coral burns but i had the best time of my life so we went back to germany and then i had a regular kind of life as a kid growing up in germany and then spent some other time a little later in south america um, but then i think uh what i did was in my mid-20s i reconnected through scuba diving to the ocean mm-hmm. and i think i wanted to relive a little bit that happy times from the five-year-old toby from your childhood so i think that's when it started and i needed the the 25 year old toby needed to reconnect with the five-year-old and that keeps on from that time and that's Mm -hmm. uh since 2002 now so it's 17 years so you just walked into a scuba shop and said i'm gonna start diving today uh actually it was on the end of a backpacking trip to thailand and uh i had a few days in bangkok um, where there's not much scuba diving it's a massive city with lots of pollution and we just Mm -hmm. had three days left to go to a place and we went to pataya which is i think two hour uh, bus ride from um from bangkok on the gulf of thailand and there's only two attractions in pataya one is uh how you say go go bar and the other <laughs> one is dive shop <laughs> and uh i was with a girlfriend at a time and uh so no go go bar no <laughs> so i just walked uh past all these going to the beach i walked past all these dive shops and then one day one the second day or so i, was, I decided i just let's go inside i have to do it yeah it seemed so obvious that there's so many dive shops so i go in the guys were a little sleepy <clears throat> but they managed to book me and then I uh, got introduced um, with a British uh, instructor to the pool on the first day. <coughs> and second day I did two dives in the Gulf um, of Thailand in their local little shallow, um, basic little dive site. I don't remember very much. Sea cucumbers, I remember, and Sergeant Major swimming around. 
and the guy would ask me one million times okay <clears throat> yes uh, but i had the best time of my life and i came out of the water and said this is it how can i do more of that right and so you always knew that you were going to be an instructor or you just wanted to be in the ocean in particular well the guy there the instructor the british dude his name was uh neil uh, neil chandler and he said well you speak german uh in south thailand they always look for instructors that speak german and that stayed in my, I don't know, part of the brain in here. So <laughs> I went back to Germany to my student life at university. I wasn't happy. And uh, basically a year later, <coughs> one and a half years later, I went to Thailand and did uh, work, started work as a dive master or do dive master course instructor. So I stayed five years after that in Thailand. Uh, working scuba diving, teaching scuba diving, starting with photography. I was just like a fish in the water. You are just hooked. Yeah, yeah. So you're a professional when you know when it comes to what to bring and not bring to these trips. Well, yeah. <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> and I'm pretty new at it. I've only been scuba diving for the last couple of years and I haven't done as many trips as you. Mm. But I think I've gathered, gathered enough stuff to where I think I feel confident when I go on a trip. But every time I go, I learn something new. So mm. I was that why not make a video or a podcast talking about what we like to bring. Mm -hmm. And I think it'd be fun comparing as you as an instructor, me as just a regular diver, what we like to bring or see if there's anything similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. So let's start with your... First, I don't know if it's going to be your favorite, but what's your first thing that you like to bring? Uh, so, yeah, obviously I don't bring my mass fin snorkel and uh, boring stuff. No. Um, so I, bring, I brought some stuff that um, is maybe not typical for a diver or an instructor. <laughs> it's just typical for Toby. For you. Um, so uh, something um, that I don't bring on all trips, but it's a great way how to relax after your... Uh, after your dives mm -hmm. on the boat, riding back, sitting on the side with the salty hair, sitting on the side of the boat, looking out at the water. Um, this uh, is called a mata tea. Comes from South America. And uh, it's a little bit like coffee. Looks very exotic, very funky. And we drink it with hot, uh, with hot water. And that we put onto the tea and then we... Uh, drink it out that little metal straw called bombija and it's like a social drink because i've had it a couple times before mm -hmm. and there's is there a particular way you should drink this you mean temperature wise or uh i was told you're supposed to hold it a certain way before you drink it and i don't know you you want to try or i mean yeah uh, i don't know if there's some other etiquette i'm not aware of um there's a certain way how to make it need to make it taste you can mm -hmm. mess it up like people sweeten um, it and stuff but this is good how it is kind of tastes like almost a little bit like it's not bitter but like green tea very similar to green tea uh, maybe like just plain no like sweetener mm -hmm. or mint this plain green mm -hmm. tea yeah it's uh <coughs> and you kind of just pass it back and forth and it's like a social yeah there's the guy i think it's called my I'm not sure. Matero, that's the guy that always puts water in, uh -huh. and he gives it to each person in oh, the really? circle. Oh, really? There's a special person that puts the water in? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's one guy, um, and he makes sure that everyone gets equal amounts. Oh, shit. And then when it's washed, 
you yeah. need to kind of i mean i'm really just uh, not an expert but when it's washed you can move the bombija around and, and access different areas uh -huh. um but yeah like with this kind of load i would drink two of those i don't know what that is 500 milliliters so maybe two of those and then it starts to get washed and then i also start okay it's enough maybe and that gets you super caffeinated you're like you're hyped i remember that's what i remember when i drank that before uh yeah yeah you so i'm gonna be up all night this is what you're trying to say it's just a fun social yeah. drink and it makes you really be awake and alert and ha um how you say hydrates really really well it's a natural isotonic drink you don't need to buy gatorade or something this is really the n best uh, natural drink comes from the indios in south america so when you bring this to your dive trip so <coughs> do you keep it just for you can stay pumped and ready for your dive or and hydrated and yeah you have to just I put it in my dive bag and then we fly over to wherever we go and then i have that on with me um, and I need to make sure I get the hot water before I go on the boat. Right, Sometimes, so you bring this uh, on the boat with you. Yeah, that's the that's the whole idea. And then yeah. socialize with other divers. I mean, not it's it's like I'm the exotic guy with this thing. Everyone <laughs> just Toby. looks at, what is this? And then, ooh, wanna try? No, no, no. And sometimes when I put it on the side, I see that someone looked into it and took it out. And nobody That's in like, weird. Europe or North America knows really what that is unless he has some exposure to it or background. Right. Um, and the agents anyway don't know what it is. Um, but it's just a fun little thing. I don't bring it on every trip, but it adds some kind of peacefulness to my to my uh, diving uh, or the surface after diving. I don't know. If I never saw that before, I'd probably think you're a little weird for bringing yeah, that on the boat. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... Because uh, it's so different. I'm used to people bringing their big jugs of water or anything yeah. on the boat. So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I'll go to my thing, is kind of similar to yours. I like to stay hydrated too, ah. but I bring a camelback. So I fill it up with the water because no matter where you go, like Mexico or when we went to Bali and stuff, I would fill this up before I go on the boat. And I'm always kind of unsure of how the water is when you're not like traveling overseas or going to a country you're not familiar with. So I fill this up with uh, sadly water bottles. I know everyone's gonna give me a hard time about that, but there's no other way to go around it if you've never been to another country that you haven't been exposed to the water. But I also like bringing this on the boat because everything like my phone, anything I need to bring that's small and I need to keep away from getting wet in the water, it's perfect. So it's like a two-in-one. So I don't need to bring Ziploc bags or anything. I just throw anything in here that I want to keep dry and then I keep hydrated. And I don't have to carry it really because it's on my back. It's like a two-in-one. Yeah, what I always wondered, I never had one of those, but mm -hmm. if I have water in a bottle like this mm -hmm. after three days, stinky water mm -hmm. will in these camel bags the water get this taste as well is there some biological uh, activity in there what i do i take the bag out and i put it in the fridge overnight oh so it keeps the water fresh just oh. like a water bottle because it's plastic it's a plastic can like is it even um how you say um, insulated <laughs> that it will stay longer cold mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, well, it depends on, like, the. you can get really fancy Maybe ones. Maybe you can get the fancy And get, like, a cheaper one. They're all different. This is one of the cheaper ones, but, I mean, it lasts forever. But when I'm out diving, I drink it so fast anyways. 
but this keeps about like a gallon and a half in here so i'm good and usually people are drinking it drinking from it as well so i run out of it pretty quick but if i have leftover water i just throw it in the fridge and then that, there's nothing wrong with it because it's just like a plastic bottle cool yeah so that's one of my favorite things. It's not as cool and exotic as yours, but it works. I love it. And if anyone see me on any pictures or trips, this is pretty much what I have with me on every trip. And I throw all my little things that I think I need in it, mm -hmm. and I probably don't need, and I throw it in there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And what's your next? Uh, my next, I can do the nerdy, another nerdy one. Or hmm. <clears throat> yeah, let's do just to get it out of the way. So. <laughs> what is this? That is your neti pot. It's that so is, great. Um, yeah. I also, again, the same like the mate. It's not a must must. It's just um, something that helps me with equalization mm -hmm. when I do, especially for the freediving stuff. Uh, equalization gets really critical, and um, your sinuses uh, need to be um, free of any stuff. I mean congestion, so mm -hmm. I can descent efficiently head first uh, scuba diving equalizing is important too if I can't equalize but it's since my position is head up um, and I can really gradually descend I don't have to rush down mm -hmm. it's much easier but the netty put will help with both of those so what I do and people do that use that usually we need the right water uh -huh. we need the right salt and we need the right temperature Mm -hmm. uh, so we need to make sure those things are all right uh, because we don't want to get anything nasty into our sinuses and then we right. put it on one side and rinse the, the sinuses um, on one side and then the one the sinuses on the other side and I like using that because I don't really like to take the Sudafed or any kind of medicine it makes me really drowsy. Mm -hmm. So I like using that instead. Mm -hmm. But mine, I brought mine with me just for I can show the comparison. This is the one you can get at the store. Mm -hmm. And it's not as fancy as yours. Mm -hmm. But it works just the same. You just put oh, a little yeah. salt, a little like room temperature, a little bit. I like mine a little warmer than room yeah, temperature exactly. water. Yeah, exactly. Luke, and then lukewarm. pour it in. And it clears it, everything out. It reminds also, you know, uh, my good time in Thailand, five years when the low season would hit. The diving was always a little rougher. There was more waves and rain. So you really would get stuff, salt water in oh your nostrils. Gosh. Yes. And the feeling of having salt water in nostrils <laughs> reminds me of that time. So I think I like to travel back and with this good feeling. And that, that uh, is weirdly part of it. <laughs> it's a good feeling. <coughs> was, the first time I did it, I thought it was such a weird feeling. It is. Yeah, it's weird. It's just if you do it wrong, you you don't empty your 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 sinuses, right. and then and then you don't feel it. But suddenly, when you pick something up, suddenly you have that stuff running out of your yeah. nose. Yeah, it's suddenly, just lovely. It's, it's a really good sight. It's like oh, <laughs> how is that coming? At first, I didn't get it, and later I understood. Oh, I forgot this in my sinuses. Mhm. Mm yep. I highly recommend anyone that has like sinus problems or anything to get a neti pot or. It doesn't have to be as fancy as Toby's, but I mean that's more portable and you can take it anywhere. Yeah. But. But it yeah, really be careful. Helps. Be careful also and know what you're doing, and uh, you can get actually more sick if you do it not right. So be really careful what to put it on, what to put in, and learn about it before you do it. Um, I messed myself up a couple of times and got sicker actually. 
because I don't know. Uh, and there's cases of people bringing in some kind of bacteria and really messing them up. So your body is actually really capable of cleaning itself. Mm -hmm. So you want to be uh, properly informed before using it. Well, I think mine, the one I got, I got like a, just a regular basic Walgreens. And it came with the ingredients that, and how much I should put per package. Okay. So I just pour a little packet in, put some uh, warm water in there, and pour it in. So I, I've never had a problem with it. Um, but I guess if you're doing yours yourself, it's a whole other process. And that you should do a little bit of yes. background checking before you the get water, into it. The water, it just needs to be for sure clean water. And the salt needs to be also clean. And I do sea salt, mm -hmm. just natural salt, not, no additives or anything. No fancy salt, guys. Regular salt. Well, my next thing is kind of different. Um, I like to bring ginger juice to any trip I go on. If it's either scuba diving or just flying somewhere. Because I get, especially on the planes, I get a little bit of bad anxiety. And this helps with my stomach because when I get anxiety, like I just get kind of nauseous in a way. And... It just, it's a lot better than me taking any kind of medicine. And I can't make tea at any time because I know ginger tea is really good for your stomach as well. But sometimes I just don't have the materials to make tea. So I just throw those in my backpack, in my little fancy backpack, and um, eat those. And when I get, I don't normally get seasickness in either, but there is some times when people are having a rough time on the boat. And then I start to feel like I'm having a rough time yeah. on the boat because they start getting sick. So I just pop one of those in and it makes me feel so much better. And it's such a cheap fix too. But if you are sick, I wouldn't take one after you've been sick. Because apparently it makes it worse. Because I made the mistake of giving one of the divers one. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's throwing up. Let me help him and give him a ginger chew. And apparently I made it worse because... I don't know the actual background behind it, but it did not help. So do it before you get sick is the best thing I can recommend for a mm. ginger chew. Mm. I mean, the medication we give uh, or that is over the counter, mm -hmm. the um, Dramamine or what's the name? I think it's Dramamine, um, yeah. That one does not work if you take it and when you're sick. You take it the night right. before, let it build up, and then you take them one more in the morning. And that's where I've seen the best like outcome with the ginger. Uh, I feel it's a very uh, non-intrusive, very mild, right. natural uh, uh, stuff to take. I haven't really had much. It's maybe if people don't like the ginger, they yeah, get I more so. agitated. I, I am, yeah. But I have not much experience. There's also ginger pills, I believe. Yeah, I think there's pills take. as well. Um, but I love yeah, ginger is a wonderful natural mm -hmm. um, uh, stuff that that is also for if you're sick. Right. If you make a ginger tea with honey and lime, and you just if you have any kind of upset stomach, <coughs> it really helps. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I'm on the boat or going on a trip and I have the Dramamine, I always carry it with me. But I don't think I'm gonna get sick until someone else does. Oh. That's the problem. So I don't yeah. always take it because I'm like, I'm fine. I don't get seasickness. It's totally fine. But as soon as else, someone else starts throwing up, I'm like, okay, I feel sick. I need to look at the horizon and eat a ginger chew right yeah. now. Yeah. But that's like the only time. So that's been a lifesaver for me because I can't just take, like you said, mm. a Dramamine because it takes usually like 12, 24 hours yeah, for it to even start working. Mm. It's not fun to be seasick. No, I, I admit I got seasick once, and it's the worst. 
feeling because once you start you can't stop yeah it's a programming it's, takes over your body yeah it's and you just want to be in the water because the whatever it is when you're in the water it makes you feel so much better mm. but once you're right back on the boat you're like just get me in the water please it's so bad mm. <laughs> but the ginger chews i recommend anyone that has like any type of seasickness or anxiety or anything that is okay with ginger i recommend Gin Gins are my favorite, but they have other brands too. That one I just find to be the best tasting one. Mm -hmm. So are you going to get nerdy now? I thought my main nerd No, items... I thought that was your core book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the core book? Uh, should I get that? Yeah. Yes, that's um, my, probably my favorite. Toby brings in another item. So when I first met Toby, we were headed to Bali because he led the Bali uh, trip and he was known to me as the fish guy. He knows all the corals and all the fish. So every time I had a question, I'm like, where's Toby? Where's Toby? But he was always on a different <coughs> boat. Like uh, I could never yeah. find Toby because you were the fish guy. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. You uh, you missed also one of the other things, right? The shark. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> every time they would come back from a trip, they're like, we saw another shark, guys. Yeah, and I still like that was I've never seen a shark yet. So I was. Oh, yeah. That spell needs to finish. Uh, hope soon. Mm, well, no, I've seen a shark. Remember at the very end of the trip, we saw another shark. But I was all it was the very last day. And uh -huh. I was like, you know, telling everyone I want to see a shark. And literally everyone that saw a shark on that trip. And there was one guy, I think his name was Mike. He's like, oh, I went in the water for five minutes and saw a shark. And I was so mad. <laughs> and the, yeah, I would go and look for you and you come back and you're like, oh, I saw a shark eating an octopus. It was so cool. I'm like, yeah. really? <laughs> so, yeah, you were always somewhere else when I needed a fish question. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I get on these trips, I get in my fish uh, fish ID mode or, mode or camera mode and of course I need the people on the trip first place to be happy mm -hmm. apparently I didn't do a good job with you uh, <laughs> making sure you you get your fish <laughs> info it's fine I um, won't hold a grudge <coughs> but yeah uh, I'm a fish nerd for sure coral and coral nerd but yes. corals are much harder um, to really ID you can't really do it down to the species level I feel unless you are a coral uh, have a core degree or something um but the fun thing about you though if you want to learn it you will learn it you'll like what is this coral what is this fish i want to know and you learn everything about it and you sit there and you you'll talk about it i'm like i learned so much from you i'm just like in awe uh, yeah yeah i mean it's just fun it's just very natural to drive the the diversity underwater is a big driver just mm -hmm. the, the coral reef is just fantastic best place to, to be as you as you know yes i know and so you have this coral yeah this is a coral id book um from a guy in australia and he has you can buy this thing and then he has some videos teaching videos to it that are free so i first come across it by looking at youtube i coral course and then i saw the videos how to id corals and uh, I realized I need this book to really do it. It's basically uh, just a key. I worked with books like this when I my past uh, life with trees. Mm -hmm. You would find a, a leaf and then you would start to analyze the leaf according to the key you have. And at the end, you come down to the species Latin name. And here, they don't 
bring it down so for example you have a look at the outside appearance is it a massive or a thick colony is it thin placed or crusts is it solitary or isolated or free living and then i will go into the into the guide here and break it down into the families and then into the uh, species so sub, not, not subspecies but the level before um it's gonna be difficult to do underwater so i used it to do my photography mm -hmm. and then out of the photography there's some that are easy but a lot of them are not easy also because they just hy hybridize they they mix and then also the way a coral grows will depend very much on the light situation mm -hmm. um, and where it is on the reef edge how exposed it is to the and wave action it's it's yeah it's it's really difficult and so and would you if you had to learn about either one fish or coral which one would you pick i mean fish in southeast asia at least i'm pretty good with fish id and you know that you're pretty good with fish id when you really start to learn the boring fish <laughs> um but i'm also forgetting stuff and then it depends also on the region so of course i'm not at the end with fish at all um fish are just more appealing they have eyes they have a yes. character even personalities uh, it's easier to connect with those guys so yeah. it's a natural the first thing you do is fish id and then yes. the corals are more like the trees they don't have personality and but they have a very individual like a very unique um i don't know i have a very unique interest uh, on the corals as well um especially as they're animals and they're not moving and they make stones mm -hmm. what is that so it's really fascinating uh how a coral reef how diverse it uh, yeah it's a very fascinating um animal or the the, the coral the, the rock building animals uh or the rock killing building coral are just uh, very phenomenal well, you can see through your photography too how passionate you are about coral and mm. fish ID and everything. Because everything you take in a picture of mm. tells a story, and I love that about mm. it. Yeah, that's the good. Yeah, the the try it, try it. Yeah. So if you're ever on a trip with Toby and you need a fish question, make sure he's on your boat, and he will answer all your fish questions. Or he has his books with him. So that's a the best thing. Like I like when you go on a trip with you. Because you always have like the fish IDs. Also, if you're locally Tucson, South Arizona, I'm at 72 Aquatics. Mm -hmm. I run trips twice a month to Indonesia next month and to the Red Sea in January. And I include photo workshop and of course fish talk will be just naturally following. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a 72 Aquatics logo. This is one of my favorite things to bring on a trip. I just wore it because I'm not going to like talk about it, obviously, bring a hat. But it's one of my favorite things to bring on any trip. It's a necessity, a staple, is a hat. But yeah, 72 Aquatics is where I met him, been on all my trips, I think. So I think my next trip, which is New Zealand, will be my first non-72 Aquatic <laughs> adventure. So... That would be a lot of fun. Definitely an adventure. Have nothing planned, That's but so cool, man! I can't believe you go diving there. 
It's this tempered yeah. water, right? Yeah. It's just like cold in the Apparently. winter. Apparently. <laughs> Kelp really... maybe even? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping to get a lot of free diving done. But since you were mentioning coral, I think the best thing for me to dive into next is my sunblock. So I use stream to see sunblock or sunscreen, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, this doesn't harm the corals because I know there's regular sunblock that most people use, but there's a, an ingredient, I think it's called like obenzone or something Oxybenzone. Like that. Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really, really harmful to corals. So you know me, I'm all about the environment and trying to help any way I can using less plastic. This is one of my favorite things to bring is the sunblock. I know there's different brands and I do love the sunblock, but I have this funny story of when I used the lip balm with the same brand and no one told me because when you put it on, it's kind of white. And I think it's because it has the different natural ingredients for the mm -hmm. corals. So no one told me. So I go on this dive trip by myself and I have my brand new sunblock my lip balm and I'm really excited to use it so I put it all over my face not even knowing that it looks super white and then I put my lip balm on and I'm <laughs> really excited mm. and that's super white too and I don't know anyone so I'm just sitting by myself with this lip balm and the sunscreen and I'm like why isn't nobody talking to me mm -hmm. and then one of the uh captains comes up to me and he's like you're really white and I was like oh yeah I know I get that a lot because I'm I'm Mexican but I'm the the white Mexican in the family. So I was like, haha, funny, I know. And he's like, no, you're like really white. And I'm like, I know. And he's like, <laughs> no, gringa. And he like pulled the sunscreen out. He's like, you're really white. And I looked at my face, I pulled out my phone and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I didn't rub it in. So my recommendation if you use uh sunblock like this use a small amount because that's all you need you don't need to lather it on like i did and um i just skipped the lip balm now because i don't want to get those white super white lips but i know there's different brands i haven't tried them but i love this because i know every time i get in the water i'm protecting the corals as well yeah and this is a really good um i'm very convinced of that brand as well i sell this stuff mm -hmm. this is ex exactly as you say it doesn't hurt uh has at least ingredients mm -hmm. that are in the, an experimental trial are not hurting the corals and the whiteness that's the one downside this is the white yeah. the white one is like a greasy thing yeah so you look like a ghost <laughs> but they <laughs> invented the tinted one <laughs> yes and that one fixes the problem yes so that's what i have um, now is the tinted that, one <laughs> that is the stuff to get um, yes but I don't use that much sunblock anyways because I normally do tan. But except for my nose, it really mm. it really burns every now and then. So now I just use this and it's, you know, doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt me, doesn't hurt the environment. So it's one of my favorite things to keep on me. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. I think you have. I have How many more else? things do we have? We set on five, <laughs> but I think we both brought a little bit more than five. Um... Mm. I mean, I have another book, or I have the one more nerd thing. This one here. Oh yes. I mean, this is. So like, why would you bring a yoga mat to your diving trip? 
mm, probably I want to do some yoga. <laughs> Um, <laughs> why would you carry that all the way with you is what I mean it's the value yeah I um, take them of course when I do freediving excursions Lake Pleasant Mexico freediving the warm up is really key um, before you go in the water to prevent injury um, and to get you into the um, into the mood mo uh, mood or zone um, before going in the water that uh, really um is a key thing you I, I don't want to go in the water just not warmed up it's just right. an important habit to develop i take it and i realize um doing the freediving that the yoga i really enjoy uh the stretching and it really trickles down into other parts of my life and in scuba when i go on a trip you do three four dives a day maybe five even yeah you carry that heavy stuff mm -hmm. with weights tanks camera the poor spine gets like end of the day or end of the trip you do a week of diving you feel really broken and you come home and you need a holiday so i realized uh, on one of the trips i just said why don't i be disciplined enough to do a little bit of yoga mm -hmm. in the morning before going on the boat and um, usually i really need a lot of sleep and I, I was a little skeptic if i have the discipline but actually that was the malaysia trip <clears throat> every morning 20 minutes yoga and it was really a big difference, the feeling at the end of the day and the end of the trip. Um, so I just need the space for it. It's kind of big. Right. So I'm always kind of on the limit of my space. So I need to squeeze it in uh, just at the end if I have the space. But then I think it makes a lot of sense for scuba divers to, to do well, that. Well, if you're just driving over to Mexico, like <coughs> you said, or Lake Pleasant. Or then even, it's easy. Then Yeah, then you can just throw it in your car. Because when you taught us of a freediving class, you rolled out your yoga mat and they're like, we're doing yoga. And so you're already teaching it with your students, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for freediving mm -hmm. for sure. And for scuba, I think there's a lot of applications. So scuba people, they're not the type of, the same type like freedivers. Right. They like to more sit and drink their beer at the end of the dive and, and chill out. But I think there's some big value for them and we always talk about my wife is a yoga instructor so we always always think about having a scuba specific yoga workshop i think that'd be really cool because mm. i i go to a yoga class nearby and she's asking people's occupations and what they do for hobby and i was like oh and that's when i just started the free diving she goes oh where do you where do you do your classes and stuff so i sold her 72 aquatics and she's like i need to go over there and talk about doing things together oh, cool yeah and so i'm surprised you they haven't come in because i'm sure they would talk to you about it but uh it would be a really cool thing to keep those two together because it works hand in hand yeah i worked on yoga people yet i still need to work more <laughs> me too trick them into freediving <laughs> trick them into freediving mm. i love freediving mm. all right uh, i think did I do four or five? I don't even know anymore. I have the big one here. Still. The big one? <coughs> well, <laughs> my your big one and mine just doesn't compare. So every time I go on a trip, I always bring, obviously, you guys see my videos, my YouTube. So I bring my GoPro. It's my probably my favorite thing I bring on every trip. I don't leave home without it. But I always seem to manage to leave home without an SD card. But... I'll stop at like a Walmart or something. There's been like two trips I've been on with Sarah and we had to stop at a Walmart because I forgot my SD card. But that's like my number one thing. I always bring a camera, always bring um, 
a GoPro because I have to like show everyone what I see. There's no way that I'm gonna go to Mexico and swim with the sea lions and no one's gonna know about it. Everyone's gonna know about it. So that's my favorite thing to bring on any dive trip. Yeah. But this guy here has the fanciest camera. Oh. Oh, let me have some more of that. Have it. Some You're more. hogging it over here. It's supposed to be a social drink. Yeah, I know. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty selfish here. Sorry. <laughs> I drank that. Looking pretty selfish guy here that you have on your. So yeah. the first time I seen this thing, uh, I've never seen a camera like this before. It looks like a giant spider to me. But it's just because <coughs> of all the underwater housing. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, a pain. Uh, so how long did it take for you to put something like that together? I mean, just now when I was at home, I have this disassembled. I need maybe 15 minutes to put it together. If I really would go in the water now, I would take a little more time mm -hmm. to really make sure I can't leave something uh, unlocked and flooded. So right now I just put everything in and together, but um, maybe I need half an hour to prepare the night before the dive trip. But like how long did it take for you to get each piece individually? Oh, the like good when did you start photography? 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malaysia and uh, Penang, uh, which is on the west coast of Malaysia. I finally I did a lot of internet research, and at that time internet was not that developed, I guess. But I looked in all the forums, and I bought a little Canon PowerShoot 895, and uh, and the guy, uh, the Chinese guy, came running after me on the street uh, with the housing. He finally I had the camera already, and he dug it somewhere out and came right out sir sir i have a, i have a, i have found the housing for you so that was the start um after high season thailand uh, after my time in malaysia i bought the first canon um and then progressed with with um uh digital slr in 2006 and then these things are significantly bigger so you need a whole housing and then in 2008 i got this little port here that one is 11 years old. Oh, wow. It's cool, in good condition. The cool thing is you just, if you upgrade, you usually need to buy a new housing as well. But the ports and the strobes and the arms and the tray, you don't have to buy again. You can just continue using. And I think that's what scares me for getting like a housing because I have my Nikon. But I want to upgrade the camera. But if I upgrade the camera, I have to get new housing. So I would have to start over. So I've been hesitant mm. to buy underwater housing to start that kind of photography mm. because I'm not sure if I want to settle with my night come that I have right now. Mm. So it's definitely a commitment if you're going to go into underwater photography. Yeah, it's... Um, you just If you want good shots and not have no technical limits, so the limits are with you and whatever subject matter you're able to get and your trip, but if you want to keep the technical limits up there then you need to eat the bitter pill and invest in this and invest over time and hustle and buy mm -hmm. used and da, da, da. and then be very disciplined just in the use be just i'm just a very anal guy with this thing and when i'm on the boat i always know where she is <laughs> and i make sure the dive guy doesn't put it in the bucket dumps it in the bucket with right. all the others oh because the dome port scratches acrylic and it scratches really quickly 
Does she have a name? <clears throat> De Bertha is her name, yes. What is it? Bertha, Bertha. I think <laughs> you would say. That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah, so... And yeah. how long did it take for you to figure out how to be, not, I guess a, for lack of better words, good at it? Like take a professional photo. Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I look, I stored all my photos for my first shot underwater with that little camera. Mm -hmm. um, and I look at the progression. Uh, <clears throat> and over time, you just develop the eye. I, you look at a lot of photos. I always, I do the workshop here and I do photo classes and I tell the guys, just look at photos at good photos mm -hmm. and everyone will realize emotionally if a photo is good within a few seconds wow you have the wow feeling and that connection and but you don't know why that's the beginner doesn't know why that photo is wow and you need to connect the rational your rational mind with the emotions and understand why you feel wow when you see it mm -hmm. so that you learn what a good photo is made of then you need to have dive skills that will be sufficient so you don't mess up your photos right so buoyancy. if you buoyancy awareness also the idea or the idea about the marine life will help you the knowledge about the marine life um so basic dive skills i would say i don't know 50 dives or something plus minus I mean not everyone is the same at 50 dives no. but um, and then you just look at a lot of photos and take a lot of photos and be not afraid to get feedback on your photos um, and then yeah just to keep doing it and analyzing your problems on the trip analyze as soon as you can your problems and correct them and then and then you know you get this moment where you feel the shot is coming you have the you have the sun, you have the diver, you have the two angelfish in front of the reef, and you know it's the one shot you have now. Otherwise, it all changes. Yep. That's the wide-angle magic moment, and you hope your strobes are set right, are positioned right, have the right power, your settings are right, your focus is right, and then you have one second, and then you either have it or not. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, I wish I would do it more, but it's just the most fun thing to well, do. Well, it's hard when you live in Tucson and we don't have like, <coughs> you can't just run over the ocean for the day and sit there and just take pictures. Mm -hmm. We don't have that luxury. We have to literally take time out of our month or three months and be like, I'm going to go here for a weekend and practice yeah. underwater photography. Unless you're sitting in your pool, which could be good practice too, if you're really new at it and... Oh, like yeah. you don't know how much it weighs like i yeah. remember chris gave me his camera he's like here use this for the dive mm. see what it's like it's and i already had my weights and everything in me and i didn't realize how heavy it was so the entire time instead of taking pictures i was trying to keep my buoyancy under control because i was overweighted so i think practicing in like a pool is really key and getting make sure your buoyancy before you start any photography underwater if you're getting into like a rig like that size and really big and you really want to get into getting that perfect picture definitely takes some practice yeah the handling mm -hmm. you, you, the workflow underwater you take the shot you adjust and sometimes you have to switch very quickly between the subjects so right. you have to change really quickly um, and then just the habit or, or the knowledge of how to change 
is kind of important. How do you evaluate really quickly and then take another shot before the subject is gone or so? Yeah, you can't really tell the whale shark. Just wait, hold on, don't move, because yeah, right, exactly. You, you got to know what you're doing, get that shot, and mm. be ready to go. Mm. And that's why I have my simple GoPro because that thing's always on, and I make sure I get everything. But it doesn't take that picture that what you're talking about, the very clear crystal picture that. But GoPro saying. is phenomenal. I'm. It's, it's never been easier to take good good footage and it's underwater. just getting better and better with all the 4k and everything mm. like that too i have an older version but it still works perfect yeah but th i think the, the important piece is to also understand that just throwing a lot of money out and buying an expensive piece of equipment will not really make a picture make you take good pictures all it gives you is the opportunity to extend technical limits but there's much more importance will be on your composition skills and on your determination to take the shot um, and on your experience and skill level uh, so you should focus on that when I meet with underwater photographers like the uh, Sam for example that Samantha that you mm -hmm. may get here we never talk about cameras we, we don't talk she does shark photography mm -hmm. and this is just no there's there's no talk about it at all and uh, a lot of guys that come to the shop, they will, will see my photos. The first question is, what what camera is that? And I think uh, from a beginner point of view, I understand it, but right. um, it's really not the camera. Uh, I think because also for a beginner, for me, I want to know what, like say I want to get into that. I want to know what I want to invest in because it's such a high price tag. I think it is. That's what it is mm, too. Mm. Like not that I, I want that picture and I want it to be that good. I want to make sure I'm investing in something good that I want to progress in and oh, yeah. educate myself. Yeah, in. very much. That's exactly Because there's so many things to choose from nowadays, like different brands and different rigs and different setups that you want to make sure that you're going with something that, oh, I see a good picture here. I want mine to be similar and look like that. How do I get that way? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it, of course, you need uh, the initial investment. You ask yourself, what do I really need? And where do I want to go? Um, and it certainly is, could be a good idea to have a bridge camera first. The GoPro is just also great for motion picture. For which beginners is a, too, I think. And it just is also a different thing, the motion, the video and foot and still is two different things. I, I really love both, but I'm much stronger on the still. Um, I'm just starting with my own little GoPro videos. Also, I'm always paranoid if this thing goes down the drain and I'm on day two on my trip. Oh my God. Then I need to have a GoPro, I guess. <laughs> so I take a GoPro as well, generally. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a good backup and it's good to like, if you want to at least tell a story, you have something there. Yeah. And that's why I like, I like telling stories and just filming things and feeling a part of something. Mm. And so I eventually want to get into that. It's just the courage to commit to that is a big step for me of getting a big I have the camera. It's just the housing that's holding me back. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's some entry-level uh, cameras that do really, yes. really well. Mm -hmm. um, and with amazing technical capabilities, you can... All you need, you just need an additional light. So right. you, doesn't, you can't go around the strobe. But I see more and more the video lights uh, for some cameras able to replace strobes. To some extent, um, I haven't practiced too much because my camera needs too much light firepower on the video side, so I just rely on the strobe still. 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's never been easier to take really good photos from the technical side. Well, I think that's all for the most part what I have. Do you have any extra things over there? Mm, the bookie, the other bookie here, uh -huh. uh, German fish book. This uh, looks a little bit broken here already. It just has a, I have a connection to this book. It was my first book when I moved from Germany to Thailand. That was the book that I brought with me and books, as you may, may think, uh, very uh, heavy it to carry heavy. that was the only book I allowed myself to take and it's just a fish book um, about the area Southeast Asia from a German guy called Helmut Dibelius if you in Europe or, or Red Sea in Asia you find this is the author is this the guy and here in the North America in the Pacific and Caribbean um, Paul human is the equivalent is the guy here that um, does his his fish books and Helmut Debelius is just um, in the European uh, it's just a certain area uh, yeah this is yes. Southeast Asia yeah, Thailand Indonesia. Indonesia Malaysia in the front there's a map um, so they have the German name Latin names and then also stories and they're really really did uh, you bring this with you to Bali I don't it's a little think so. heavy I don't we think had so. all that extra stuff with us yeah well, I usually ask people like if they have any questions for whoever's on the podcast, but I decided to do something a little different because uh -huh. I figured since we're talking about what we like to bring, I would talk to other divers and what they would like to bring. So I did like a Reddit feed and basically <laughs> I got some interesting answers. You know, the Reddit, you would get all sorts of people, whether they're being funny, serious, but here's a few one person put common sense bring your common sense to a dive trip oh my which God. is i mean i can agree with that but i mean we're all there to have fun as long as you know what you're doing you stick with your dive buddy you're good to go keep breathing good to go good thing to take yes a towel eardrops and meds which i think relates very similar to like the neti pot and stuff that we talked about um old sunglasses i guess don't bring new ones because you can lose them easily uh, someone put Ziploc bags, which, I don't know, I, I like putting things in my backpack. I try not to use as much plastic as I can. Uh, a book, which, hit or miss, unless it's like a fish book, I don't want to sit there and be reading on the boat. I want to be getting ready and getting my gear ready or jumping in the ocean. I don't really have time to read, but I guess that's like on a trip when you're laying on the beach or something it would be really cool. Uh, a beer koozie, very important. What is that? Like, uh, you know those little holders that you put the beer in? Oh, yeah, the to beer keep koozie. it cold. Yeah, to keep it cold. Ah, yeah. That's the name for this. Okay. <laughs> well, someone else put a beer huggy, which I've never heard oh. of that before, but it's such a cute name. I've mm -hmm. never heard mm -hmm. a beer huggy. Um, a banana. I guess this person was really hungry or I'm, I don't know. Stick a banana in your pocket for your safety stop. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, a waterproof radio, <coughs> a drone, which is a good one. I uh, totally forgot about the drone, but um, I know Josh on our Bali trip had a drone, and it was so much fun. He took really good footage. We chased other boats. It was a lot of fun. Um, a travel diary. I think that's very similar to a dive vlog, but I guess very similar. Uh, a boat coat. 
this is something oh i had a coat i have a coat i put it on the back of my chair it's um i get really really cold after a dive and i don't know it's because i'm hungry or dehydrated but i always no matter what time of year it is i put a coat on afterwards because it just keeps me warm once i warm up i just throw it off but they put a surf uh fur boat coat which I, I don't, I'm not sure what that Surfer is. Surfer boat coat? Yeah. Surfer, this is a brand. This is like this a, is a felt. It's really, really warm. Okay. I wear this in the winter here, mm -hmm. just outside. It's, it's just a brand. It's a super brand. It comes from, I think, California is made. It's, oh, okay. So it's like a special... A special coat that is like a felt or felt, how you call that. It's like a very dense, very super warm. Okay. I'm going to look into that because that sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. And the last one, someone put malt, sculpt, and or like a bourbon. Which, you know, whatever suits you, but don't drink and dive, is oh, what yeah. I have to recommend. After the dive. After the dive. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and promote uh, drinking and diving. But other people put like, you know, passport, wetsuit cleaner, which all related to me to the necessity things you should bring on any trip. Uh, Dan Insurance was another one. Um... But I think that's things people should know about if you're going into scuba diving already, because a lot of your instructors talk about that kind of stuff Dan before you get yeah, no brainer. Yeah. Yeah, I love Dan Insurance. I called them a couple times from Bali, but oh yeah. I, well, because I guess when I was trying to take a video of something, I brushed up against this fire coral, mm. and so I got these all these little red bumps on my hands. I'm like, mm. what is that? And so someone told me on the trip, just call Dan Insurance, they'll tell you. And sure enough, they did. They said, you bumped in the fire coal. What's going to happen is that all those little bumps are going to turn into scabs and it's just going to fall off. So mm. it looks super gross, like I had some type of disease, but it only lasted like a week. Yeah. So, I mean, they're really helpful. They answer any of your questions. Um, But yeah, that's all I got. I think what I'm going to do to wrap this all up is... My last question for you, if out of everything you presented today, if you could only keep one to use on a forever trip, what would it be? You can't use any of the other things anymore. They're gone. Uh, I mean, the camera, of course. Of course. I knew that was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Answer. I mean, the camera is one million things actually inside right. of it. But yeah, I mean, the I can, yeah, I know the camera is. Yeah, I asked you, I was like, you want to be on the podcast? You need to bring five things. He's like, so can I just bring my camera? Because it has this piece. It has this piece. It has this piece. I'm like, no, you can't do that. You yeah, have yeah. to bring five Makes separate sense. things. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I figured. My wife would probably say the yoga mat. Um, yeah. But I'm not... Uh, <laughs> you would ditch the yoga mat bring the camera yeah. gotcha well thank you so much for being on my podcast my i know pleasure. you're super busy so i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to no, be here and talk to people about what you should bring on your trips and if anyone knows of something that we missed or if the reddit people missed let us know you can contact us through like instagram i'll link his instagram below as well and you can see his pictures because he tells wonderful stories each time he like explains a picture. Like he gets in depth where either the, how the animal is feeling or how he felt when he took the picture. I love when he posts stuff. So it's really cool. Go and check that out. Show him some love for being here today. And yeah. Thank you. That's great. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for stopping in and thanks for listening. Bye. Alright, thank you so much for listening or watching this podcast if you're watching this on my YouTube channel. 
But a big thank you to Toby for being on this podcast as well. So he did mention as a photographer, you shouldn't be afraid to get feedback. So I had him send me some of his favorite photos and I'm going to put it at the end of this video so you guys can see some of his favorites. But I want you as the listeners to go and give him some feedback. So I'm going to link his Instagram below. It's T-O-E-B-S-O-N, but I'll put it in all the show notes. And if you're listening, just hop on over to his Instagram and you'll see all the pictures that I'm going to put on the video and let him know what you think. And also I'm going to link the Russell Kelly Coral book. I'm going to link the guy's profile. He has a YouTube uh, explaining the book, basically, and it's really cool. So go ahead and check it out. And also, if you guys have any other questions about the podcast or previous episodes, I know I've been getting a lot of questions about like the plastic episode. Um, I set up an email, so it's oliviacpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have any questions, just go ahead and shoot me a question on there, or you can just reach me on my social media. It's Bianca Olivia underscore. If you're following me already, um, a lot of people have been reaching me out on there. Um, So either way is fine with me. And I just want to say thank you for everyone for all the feedback and the reviews I've been getting and all the tips. It's been really helpful. And I just want to say I've been enjoying making these podcasts. So I'm glad people are enjoying them too. So it makes me feel really good. And I'm excited to continuing to or continue to make more. So yeah, that's all I got. And thank you guys again so much for listening. And I'll see you guys in, or talk to you guys, I don't know how this works, in two more weeks. Alright, bye!